Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Having a bet on the footy this week? Top this. Top Sport have hundreds of markets to choose from across the AFL, NRL and rugby. So whether you're into the big goals or the big hits, there's something for everyone. And Top Sport will let you on for plenty. Top that. Download the app today and bet on your game your way. If you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Visit topsport.com.au. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. And you got to join up, legends, let me be honest, uh, and either do it through their website, topsport.com.au, or download their app and use the promo code UNFILTERED. This is important. Use the promo code UNFILTERED. They will treat you like kings. Now, is there such a thing as a quiet day or a day off in rugby league? Is there such a thing? No, there is not. Not in this great game. It is the game that just keeps on giving. It's one of the reasons we love it. Hey, what of Zach Lomax, Wade Graham, Bailey Simonson, Wally Lewis and David Cement Gillespie got in common? No? They're all guests on this edition of the Unfiltered Podcast. This is the Weekly Wodge, some of it X-rated, and I love it. You've been warned. A country kid from the town of Tamora, Zach Lomax. As a young fella, mate, which team did you support? Who were your favourite players? Mate, I was the biggest diehard Tigers fan wow. on the planet. And Benji Marshall was the bee's knees for me. I have, I still, to this day, back home, I have these big posters of Benji. And, mate, it's crazy. Everyone everyone back home, it's all I knew that I was all Benji Marshall and Benji Marshall this, Benji Marshall that. And um, I never sort of was able to go to a game. All I wanted for every birthday was I just wanted to go and train with Benji Marshall. That's all I ever asked for every year. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a... He was a bee's knees, mate, and um, I just tried to play like him, flick pass, do all the steps like him and goal kick like him. And He spent a season at the Dragons, but that was before your time, wasn't it? Yeah, just before I got there, and I remember I was super pumped because I just sort of signed with the Dragons, and then he signed there, and I was so – yeah. yeah, I was pumped. Have you got to play I, against him yet, Zach? Yeah, mate, it's actually a funny story. So the first time I played against him, I'm sure if you looked it up, it'd be it's a bit of a video um, of I got knocked out and I got knocked out real bad against him. And I, I can't remember the game, but I remember before the game, I remember I was talking to um, our physio and I said to him before the game and I remember obviously telling mum and dad and um, I was going to get a photo with him straight after the game. I yeah. really wanted to get a photo with him. And... Um, because I remember we were supposed to play them before, but he didn't play okay. that game, so I was spewing about it. And then we versed him at the SCG. And I think it was in the second half, I um, 
Benny Hunt sort of half made a break and, and I was sort of backing him up on the inside and he's passed me the ball and Corey Thompson was was coming towards me. He was at the fullback and I sort of slipped and he's he's sort of hit me and Esau Masters come from behind and kneed me in the back of the head. I remember it. I remember it. And I was out cold, like can't remember anything of it. And uh, But I remember before the game, I said to the physio, I need to get a photo with Benji after the game. Yeah. I have to get a photo. So you've got to make sure you come and take a photo of us. And anyway, end up getting a photo. Do not remember the photo. But I got, got the photo and he ended up sending it to me on the car trip home and I had no idea about it. Wow. And I posted it that night and I, was, I, I could not believe it. But yeah, I had no idea. Do not remember getting the photo, nothing. This is serious shit. We just need to know. And delivering for us on serious shit we need to know this week, the great Christian Walsh. Mate, I'm going to ask you a question and give you two options. You choose what works best, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with footy. And we'll start with the obvious one, Coke or Pepsi? Coke, no sugar. Beer or wine? Uh, Beer, but I'm I'm starting to get into my wine, my Pinot Noirs. I'm, uh, yeah, working on it. Okay, front rower. Sticking with beer, maybe, for the time. <laughs> summer or winter? Uh, summer, but I actually don't mind the Melbourne winter. Uh, I'm not really doing this well, am I? But, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate the, having the four seasons in Melbourne, particularly in one day. We have that a lot. The weather down here is a bit crazy. Boxing or MMA? Uh, probably neither. I'm just not that excited about it. It's, I, I respect them as athletes. It is savage business, but, um, yeah, not a big fan of watching either. Good looks or personality? Oh, you've got to go personality, don't you? We all get old and turn ugly anyway, so you'd rather be someone who has a good personality, wouldn't you? Bingo. New phone or new clothes? Oh, probably a new phone. Yeah, I'm not very fashion forward. Um, I struggle with that. Ford or Holden? Ford or Holden. Uh, another thing, I'm not that passionate about cars. Uh, let's go... Uh, well, none of them are made in Australia anymore, are they? Let's go Ford. Okay, Ford it is. Hamburger or chicken schnitty burger? Oh, hamburger. Bordies or budgies? Budgies, but the rig's not looking too good at the moment. Could be bordies. So. <laughs> uh, kissing, eyes open or shut? Eyes open. That, uh, I struggle. I can't do it, eyes closed. Okay, there we go. Uh, nude or pyjamas? Uh, pyjamas. Driver or passenger? Driver. Public bar at the local or nightclub? Ooh, public bar. Now, finally, the great debate and the one that will define you as a bloke, toilet paper, folding or scrunching? Folding. Good man. Thanks for being a good sport. Chat soon, <laughs> legend. Thanks for having me on. At the moment now, it's that time of the week where we get you to have your say on Clarkie's call. Clarkie from Clarkie's RL column, which is all over social media. In fact, it leads social media. It is quality content. It's consistent content. It's professional content. I absolutely love it. It's my go-to. But each and every week, Clarkie makes a call, good, bad or indifferent. It's his opinion and we're all entitled to an opinion. If you don't agree with it, debate it. If you get aggressive, um, piss off. Uh, Clarkie, what was your call this week, legend? 
G'day, Andy and listeners. This week I've got it's probably my boldest call so far of the season. I've gone the Sydney Roosters will miss the top eight this season for the first time since 2016. Only three of their games on the run home are against bottom eight sides and other teams around them on the ladder have a much more favourable draw. What do you think about that one, Andy? Yeah, mate, I, I think it's a, a great debate and uh, I'm of the age and the maturity level that I can actually have a debate uh, without getting personal and nasty. Some of the comments, um, not just on your page, but in general on social media, that's what happens when you can't punch someone in the face. Uh, but I'm old and grumpy, I've had a shit week and I, I'm aggressive, so let's get on to some of your takes, some of your better takes Daniel McCurdy, I think, after Origin, the Roosters are going to come sailing home and make a late charge towards the grand final. There was a bit of that throughout your comments. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that the Roosters are going to find their groove or get it all together and it's suddenly going to put them into place for the top eight. Um, For me, I I just think the reality of where they are, they can't really afford to lose anymore. And I think that they might lose a few games given it's really tough matchups. Um, Chop Wizard, he seems to think the same, but he, he likened the Panthers game in this situation. He said they yeah. might have lost on the weekend. It was against the Panthers, and it was definitely a turning point in their season. Now, I don't disagree with that. I think it could be a turning point in their season, yeah. but unfortunately, I just think with how they have the run home and other teams around them having a, a, a better draw, the, it could be taken completely out of the Roosters' hands in the sense that they could win the games they're meant to and lose against some of the tougher teams, yeah. and it just won't be enough. Mate, what was the consensus? Did people – did the majority agree or disagree with you? It was very, 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 very um, differing on this one. I think a lot of the people disagreeing were just glad to see the Roosters finally downfall because yep. we've seen them so successful for so many years. Um, and then the other half were people like Loyal uh, Gaines from Instagram. He said, I disagree. They can make the top eight. They have the experience in winning big games, which I definitely agree with. Yep. But he said, they just have to find their rhythm in attack and muscle up in defense. And that's where I sort of get a little bit lost on this take because I just feel – They've had more than long enough now to find their groove. Yeah. The core of their squad, a large portion of it, has been together for a number of years. Yep. Um, and I just I just really wonder because I, I thought the same, even up until one or two weeks ago, where it's the Roosters. They can't miss the eight. They're just going to find their groove mm. and, and they'll sail home. But the more this season goes on, the more I'm really starting to doubt that, Andy. Here is a guy that I will invite onto the adults' table and invite his opinion and debate any time because uh, he's passionate, but he's wrote written this as a grown-up. Michael Dower on Facey, mad Roosters fan, but I can't see them making the AD. The sitting 10th will need to win all remaining games from now on, I think. But if they can keep playing like they did against Penrith, then maybe they will. Uh, like Michael's take, there's a sense of optimism there, but there's also a little sense of reality. Yeah, definitely. And I think Roosters fans are definitely feeling that because they've just been – it's just you could just lock them into the top eight for almost the past decade. They've yeah. been that successful. Rooster Robbo from Instagram, another passionate Roosters fan, says, it's a sad day to be a Roosters fan and miss the eight because we actually have the team. And I completely agree with him. When I came to you with our preseason predictions this year, Andy, yep. I'm not sure if you remember, but I had the Roosters winning it all. I thought with That's Luke right. Keary coming back, there is absolutely no way this team, mm. with Sam Walker coming off Rookie of the Year, could miss the finals. Um, fast forward to, what, what are we, round 17 now? Luke Keary's out. We don't have a timeline on his return. And I think that's a massive, massive uh, component of all of this. I tell you what, 
could happen and what history suggests will happen. If the Roosters do fail to make the eight or just slide into the eight, there will be some serious personnel changes in the playing roster in the off-season. Nick Politis and co. simply do not tolerate outside of the eight football. So it could very well be an important couple of weeks and a progressive couple of months for the Roosters. Love the takes, love the opinions, love the debate. Clarky, where can we find you, buddy? All over social media, guys, under Clarky's Rugby League column. It's always a pleasure, legend. Cheers, Andy. Any episode, any time. If you haven't yet, you can download the entire library. Every single podcast will make sense. Let's go back to episodes uh, 181 and 182 to one of my favourites and one of the toughest fellas to ever play the game, the great David Cement Gillespie. You've mentioned Peter Kelly, Steve Folks, a couple of times already now. Two guys that represented their state and folks here go on to play for Australia, but two guys that probably all round don't get the recognition that they deserve as to how good they really were. Yeah, well, you know, I, I lived three or four doors down from Folksy back in the day in the, in the same street, but he was just phenomenal, mate, for, for his for his um, size, you know. He, he was a 5'8 when he came into grade. What you know, weight would have Folksy been? What would his playing weight would have been? Mate, he would have played around 90 kilo. Jeez. Yeah, wouldn't have been much, or even not even that. But when he came in, he was 70-odd kilo. He could nearly ride at Randwick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he put on weight and he trained and he got himself to that um, where he wanted to be, where he could cause a bit of damage. You know, he, he, his, his technique was um, pretty good where he'd, he'd kind of jump up a bit and get you, and but not around the melon, you know, around the chest. And there was... Obviously, sometimes when they did come up a bit high, mm. as as they do sometimes. But you know, when he when he, he left a couple couple uh, couple of dents there, um, oh, yeah. Oaksy and um, you know, and Kel. Well, Kel was just a tough bugger. You know, he mm. he kind of um, in them. You know, two grand finals there, man of the match. So you know, that says it all for him too. But he, you know, he he led by by example too. You know, he wouldn't do not he wouldn't do that. Nothing else that um, you know he wants you to follow. So you know that they were good to play with. You know, mm. and um, uh, they were good days there. And then you had other blokes, you know, champion at the bit coming up. Blokes like a bloke called David Boyd. Yes. You know, and and um, I think you know it was a good player back then. Um, Kyle White could hit mm. in in the day. Uh, Kyle was playing at Canterbury and was a was a was a good um, tackler. So and a good hitter. So there was always. Um, Always blokes coming up there snapping at your heels. You'd physically assault opposition footy sides with your defence. What was it, mate? Was it was it tackle technique? Was it, you know, being more physical than the opposition or just a naturally hard bunch of men? I think it was a bit of everything that you said okay. just then. A lot of it was technique, mm. you know. A lot of it was, was pride, you know, that we'd, we'd, we'd got a bit of a reputation and we wanted to keep it, Yep. you know, pride in your game. In the way you play, um, but a lot of it was technique. And Warren Ryan was big on technique. You know, we, you know, um, we used to do a lot, a lot of work on on defence and technique, getting your feet right. You know, I often say, listen, someone's running, you're not going to say, listen, stop, mate, till I get my feet right. You know, yeah. I've got to get plant my left foot, get my right foot up. You know, that that don't happen. But that just comes with practice and practice and practice. And we done a lot of practice um, back then. 
you know, and but some that did come naturally, some it didn't. There's only one spud. The rugby league world actually wasn't ready for two. He's as honest as anyone I've ever met. He is a beauty, the big bloke. And Mark Carroll is episodes 199 and 200. It's amazing because you mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, you didn't have the natural talent. You had to work your ass off to create your opportunities. But talent does so much. Mindset and personal character does even more. And as you said... You looked at Les Davidson, who ran from the back fence, and that's what you had to do to be a first grader because even though you're a 5'8 as a junior, Spud, you didn't have the chip and chase. You didn't have the speed. You didn't have the the grace of others, so you had to be tough. Yeah, I suppose so, Andy. It's, it's just one of these things. Um, you, you can't imagine what your life's going to be like. Um, I, I thought I was always going to play 5'8 and have the fancy game, but I ended up being a front rower. And... I then took it upon myself to learn how to play a front row. You know, mm. you look at the likes before me. The, um, um, we got Blocker Roach. Like, my God, I packed in the scrum with him once. He, he hit me that hard with his head, my, my whole body rattled. And that were the days of – like I said, when we were coming through, mate, it was a badge of honour not to go off. Yep. You know, the collisions myself and the Chief had, mate, a couple of times we should have been straight off. But in that 95, he played for the rest of the game. Um, we never went off. And these days, thank God for HIA. Um because any sort of wobble, which we used to wobble all the time, you're off. Early 90s, older front rowers didn't like younger front rowers. No, not at all. Just cheeky buggers. Like I, I still remember Jeff Gerard. He was the king of uh, pranks. And we got him one day because he, he got me a couple of times. Andy. And one of the best he ever got me after a game, he had, I had a big plate of food and he had a, a cup of tea and he had a spoon in there and he put it on the on, on my hand. And I just pulled, pulled it straight in because it was bloody hot and I pulled all this food all on me. And then later in the year, we got him. We, we, we took his car out the back oval and we filled the whole car with beanbag balls, right? The whole <laughs> And he reckons for two years, if you drive along through the air conditioning unit, bang, you'd be getting hit, hit in the head like a, a machine gun. But they're the, they're the characters in the game. When I was coming through, um, you know, just stand out. Would you like a personal message, something nice, something sweet, something highly inappropriate and downright rude? I can do that. I'm on Swish now, whatever your occasion, whatever the message, go to heyswish.com, Swish, S-W-Y-S-H. Go there and search Andy Raymond. Whatever you want, whenever you want, consider it done a cool and a different present for that special occasion or you don't even need an occasion. You might just want to give one of your mates a serve. Let's wind back the clock. The date, Sunday, October 2, 2016. The venue was Sydney's Olympic Stadium and the event, the NRL Grand Final. The teams were the Cronulla Sharks and the Melbourne Storm in front of 83,625 fans. Cronulla had won 15 straight games earlier in the season and the core group of their footy side I reckon we're probably playing career best footy. The club had entered into the competition in 1967. They hadn't won a premiership and this class of 16 had had enough of the bad jokes. The Storm were playing in their sixth grand final in 10 years. They were the benchmark and they had won a final round game against Cronulla to claim the minor premiership. Our look at the game is through the eyes of Cronulla's Wade Graham. A low scoring first half, just the eight points, but, Wade, it was tough. It was so tough. Yeah, it was a hard game. It was one of those games um, where the whistle goes, 
and you feel good for about 10 minutes and then um, then you start getting tired. And normally, you know, you, normally you push through and you keep going and at some stage you get a bit of a respite, whether it be a try or a scrum or, or a, a, a stoppage in play where you get your breath back. But what I do remember the most about that night, it was a night where I just felt tired the whole night. Like I couldn't, it was hard to catch up. You just didn't have that opportunity. Both teams, um, you know, I think we completed almost at 100% in the first half yep. and Melbourne wasn't, wasn't far behind us. Um, the ball was in play. We scored the two tries um, early in the first half and then it just became a bit of a grind. And, um, you know, Melbourne, we almost played the perfect half of footy that first half of footy. And to go in at 12-0, I think it was, was unbelievable. Melbourne just showed, you know, what a great team they were just yeah. to be hanging in there and then give themselves a chance to actually take the lead in the second half. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. And obviously, in hindsight, that we won. It's uh, probably the best game of my life. Mick Ennis in the middle of everything, niggling, sledging, annoying, basically being himself. Is there a fear of pissing off the opposition and that type of thing backfiring from time to time? Nah, nah. Well, there's a funny story about Mick, actually. Um, so we're in the sheds before, just before we go out to kick off. I think the two-minute um, bell was just about to go. Anyway, we've done the warm-up. We've come back in and we're all sort of having the chat going around. And then um, Flano's last message, like he was talking the whole time, his last message was start game, be clean, like a good defensive set, keep them down their first half. You know, if we make him kick deep, get some kick pressure on them, you know, Benny or someone at the back will get on the floor, bring it back, will be in good field position straight at the start of the game, have the momentum. So anyways, Flano's just hammering, 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 hammering this, and Mickey's on the back of him saying the same stuff. So anyway, we kick off, and Matty Pryor makes the tackle on, um, I think it was Bromwich or McLean, about one metre out from the try line. Yeah. And then play two, Mickey Ennis has come up. It was Bromwich who uh, Prisa tackled because play two, Mickey Ennis had to jump about two foot to hit McLean across his chin. And then I sort of just, I had a little laugh at that stage, like, because uh, I remembered the message. Yep. And then I said, I remember Mickey looking at me and I just sort of laughed. And then I said, mate, is it like that tonight, is it? And he went, yeah, mate, it's like that. And I was like, right. <laughs> and then away we went. Off you went. Sharks held the advantage at half time. In the second half, first it was Jesse Bromwich scoring from Melbourne. 14 minutes later, this. Smith through Hampton to Walsh. I think at some stage, Ray, Vunavalu has to be a target for the wide kick. There's an offload, finds Cronk. Now Hampton gets it back. Chambers steps out of it. Chambers for the line. Chambers. He scores a grand final try. Melbourne take the lead. Well, I cannot believe this. The Melbourne Storm. They've got hearts as big as Farland. What do you recall of the Will Chambers try and what were you thinking? Um, probably, so the whole day I, was, I felt, um, you know, probably more nervous than, than usual. I don't really get nervous. I remember that, that was probably the, the, only, the first time in the game I was actually, oh, well, things haven't gone to plan. Before yep. that, um, you know, everything had sort of gone to plan, apart from the Mickey's head eye in the second tackle. <laughs> but we started the way we wanted to start. We were pretty dynamic at the start of the game. I, I remember Jimmy going through a couple of times. I think Lukey Lewis went through once. Um, and we were having success, you know, and playing the way we wanted to play. And um, we got to two tries, uh, 12-0, feeling pretty confident. And then, yeah, after half time, we knew Melbourne were going to be in the game all the way, right? They were a quality team. And then Bromwich scored. And I still wasn't feeling that that worried. 
because the week previous when we played the Cowboys, they scored a quick try after half time as yep. well. And we sort of just clicked back into gear and, and scored another try and we were okay. But then after the Chambers try, um, which which I think put them in in the lead. Yeah, it did. We sort of all got we all sort of got behind the line and we're all sort of not not dazed, but we're all sort of just in our own little heads. And I remember Jimmy Maloney actually getting everyone in. He put he said, everyone in, everyone in, everyone in. And, and he just said, listen, we knew, you know, Melbourne are a good team. We knew it wasn't going to be all our way the whole night. So let's just, you know, focus now, get back into the next set. And then, um, you know, and then we'll get, we'll get back in the game. And then sure enough, good defensive set. Uh, they kick off. We have a couple of good attacking sets. We, I think we might have got a penalty. Jimmy finds touch. And on the back of that, we get another repeat set. And then Big Fifty crashes over and puts us back in in the lead. So, um, and then after that, it was just helter skelter until the to the bell. The Fafita try, very very special, wasn't it? So Cronulla with Ben Barber slowly playing the ball. Cronulla runs it Welsh and Hampton. Smith, the third man in. So here's Ennis now. Fafita tries to crash his way over. He does. Fafita got the ball over the line. Michael Ennis and Ben Barber celebrate. They saw what I saw. We've got try. We all saw what you saw. Fafita's got it on the ground. Well, that's what he's capable of. And the big fella, he's just an awkward big thing. He's hard to handle when he gets his steam up and he just... We see Andrew Fafita maintains possession and grounds the ball in the end goal. Have a decision and going to the board. That's so it's a... going to be green lights. There's probably maybe, you know, a handful of guys, you know, to play the game yep. over as long as, I, as long as I have ever watched the game. So that's close to, you know, 25 years they could have scored that, you know, and I'm talking about guys in their prime playing their best yeah. footy. There's probably a handful of guys who could get held up that way, hold the ball out in one hand, twist over and put it down. And, you know, luckily for us, that was for Fida, you know, in his prime, in his, in that stage of his career, right time, right place, came up with a play like that. It was, it was magic. 14-12 to Cronulla. The next 10 minutes, it wasn't about ability. It wasn't about talent or shapes or whatever. It was about character. It was about who wanted it the most. Melbourne kept coming and coming and coming, threatening to steal your premiership. Was it the ultimate test of character? Oh, it was. It went down, like I said, you know, I felt like I was out on my feet from 10 minutes into the game to the end, so 70 minutes. Um, and then a lot of the time when you get that deep in the game, it, you know, not only are you fatigued, it actually becomes harder to defend because you stop playing the structured footy and yep. you start throwing the ball around, shifting out of your own half, and it's not it's not the typical structured stuff. So, you know, it, it takes its toll and then I just – Remember, just keep moving, keep moving, keep making your tackles, keep making your tackles, keep closing Jimmy's inside, keep pushing the middle tight when I don't need him. And it's just, I suppose, when you get into those situations deep into the game, you know, that's where all the sort of the practice and the training takes over. You just keep doing your job, mate. It's like a never-ending cycle. And luckily for us, uh, you know, we had everyone, you know, t- you know, turn out, you know, yep. turn out on trumps that night, and we got the job done. Like you play that game another hundred. Hundred times, and you you might only win it, you know, fifty fifty percent of the time with that sort of effort. So, um, yeah, we're, I'm very grateful and you know very pleased that we got the job done. The final whistle, the dressing rooms, the streets of Cronulla, the celebrations, 
five years on, what stands out the most? Yeah, probably two. The feeling after when you go into the sheds. Yeah. You, you, you're, on the, you're on the field for, you know, it feels like close to an hour. By the time you see the opposition, shake hands, do the lap, do the presentation, do all that, you know, see your family quickly from afar. Um, you know, it's an hour before you get into the sheds. And then there's the team, like team sort of chat with, yep. with the families around and you do that. And then the trophies in there, you get all your photos. And then there's that moment where it's just, all right, everyone out. We'll see his back on iron and the team just comes in to um, probably have a shower and, and change and just, you know, that moment there, I remember just sitting down and having a beer and looking around. And, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest feeling was it was relief. Relief yeah. that we got it done. Relief that we won. It starts when you're 14 or 15. Like you get picked in your in a junior rep team and then you go, okay, I want to, you know, do this and do this. And then you, you want to play first grade. It's like, okay, I want to play first grade. And then you make first grade. It's like, okay, I want to be – Consistent. I want to be successful in the first grade, and then it's just a grind the whole way. And then obviously the, the goal pops up. You want to win the premiership, and yeah. it's so bloody hard to do. So to get it done and to realise, you know, the lifelong pursuit, the lifelong dream, it's just a massive weight off your shoulders. The tick. It's like you know, no matter what happens from here on out, you know, fulfilled the dream. We've got it done. You know, it's, it's there. So. That just that quiet moment when everyone is sort of gone and that, that moment to reflect, that was that's the one thing that stands out. And then obviously the bus back to Shark Park. Yeah. Um, the fans were all in there. We went up the back way, the exit, the fire exit up to the top, you know, where you commentate from. We were yep. up the back way up to the top stadium and we come down and the field's just got everyone on it, the trophies there, all the fans. Um, yeah, it's a special time. Special time for the club, special time for the community. I, sp- I think I had more people say thank you to me than congratulations. Like some people are just that happy to have the premiership. Most of you know, people come up and said, "Oh yeah, my dad was a supporter for the whole his whole life and never got to see you." So I'm glad I was here to see you, and he would have been happy. Or same stories: mums, aunties, uncles. Yeah, a lot of, the community was very proud, so it was a good time. Wonderful story, uh, wonderful grand final. Cronulla claiming their first, scoring a 14 points to 12 win over Melbourne to claim the 2016 NRL Premiership. We ran a social media question this week and asked for your answers. Well, it was a statement, really. It was, does state of origin and national eligibility need to be reviewed? Here are some of the different answers. From Instagram and Stephen Kane, uh, absolutely, until the social media era, State of Origin was a skeleton series for the Australian Test team before, as usual, Queensland fucked it up. Rob Bacara on Facey said, yes, it does need to be reviewed. Country of eligibility needs to be determined when first being registered as an NRL player, and if that country is Australia then the state as well. Have it checked by the NRL to confirm all the details given are correct. Keep it simple and it won't cause any controversy. Good point, because uh, you've only got to wind back 12 months and Ronaldo Mulatalo, what a shit fight that was. Uh, back to Insta, Jacob Rossiter said, I like the idea of Tier 2 Nation players playing Origin and Tier 1 not being allowed. The issue is... Is Tonga and Samoa are Tier 1. They are competitive, unlike Cook Islands, for example. Mark Melville on Facey said, Origin is an extension of NRL, not internationals. Logical, to the point. Love it, big guy. 
Delhi Six said on Insta, I think the international game moving forward, you have to allow the players that are eligible for New South Wales and Queensland to play for countries other than Australia. However, it should be once you've chosen your country, that's it. You can't change ever again. If you want to play for Tonga or Samoa, that's fine, but you can't play for Australia down the track. On Facey again, Jules Rule says, you can't start a battle in one set of trenches, then opt out before the war is over. Either you're in or you're out. Play state of origin and you're only eligible for Australian selection or opt to represent another country and don't play state of origin. Too easy. Love it. Varied and many theories and some wonderful points. Well done, legends. If you're not following us on social media to have your voice heard, we're on Facebook at Andy Raymond. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Andy Raymond. See you there, legends. I love being immature. If you like immaturity and immature chat, you're going to love the next couple of minutes because there's nothing quite like fart jokes, shit stories and dick stories to make me laugh. This is Andy Raymond, Unfiltered, the Weekly Wodge. Over the journey, met some wonderful mates, worked with some wonderful mates who at times can be very, very different to what you see on the TV. The pin-up boy for all things good about rugby league in the world is the very responsible, the very grown-up and the very mature Greg Alexander. Hair never out of place, always says the right thing, always says it politely and with a smile. But there was an occasion at Brookvale Oval that boasted the smallest commentary box in the history of the world going back a few years where we were commentating together and Greg was on a fruit and nut diet and had warned me about that. Brandy joins us halfway through the first half. Greg, what happened? Um, Andy, you're right. I was, uh, and I have, you know, I've tried different things dietary wise over the you know last 20 years I can't remember what year it was but I must have been in a, in a phase of um, yeah nuts and and fruit as uh, protein and anyway I you're right about Brookvale Brookvale and I love I love commentating at Brookvale um, and, and now I only live you know three or four k's from Brookie Oval it's a home game so it's fantastic but uh, yeah, the diet the diet was a bit was a bit off um, as I was that day, Andy in Brookvale, and I uh, I made those around me suffer. You certainly did. You've let one seep out the back door, and it was a stinking hot day from memory at Brookvale. So we had the air conditioning on in the commentary box, all the windows shut, and then it hit us. Not only did it hit us, we opened everything up. But you and I were laughing like children so much. Mate, I reckon there was probably 45 to 60 seconds of dead air where we hit the mute button and started yeah, laughing. I know. That, those, those occasions are rare, aren't they? Where, yeah. Um, and once you start laughing, well, you, you can't stop. And I, I do remember us uh, yeah, all crying with laughter but had to turn ourselves off. Otherwise, uh, it would have come across and that wouldn't have been good. So you're right. There was there was There was a... There was a long pregnant pause while we uh, we laughed about being children. <laughs> Love it.
In 2004, our guest made his test debut in France following the Tri-Nations tournament. Matty Bowen, what do you remember of the moment you were told you were playing for Australia? Obviously, you know, that, that moment you got um, got told you putting that green and gold jersey on as a young kid, you always dreamt of doing that. Yeah. Um, but to do it over in France, um, it is something special. And as I said, I keep, you know, uh, something I won't forget. I think I've still got that jersey at home. And, um, you know, so I just, you know, chose that moment and um, I enjoyed that moment and it was pretty good. From memory, Wayne Bennett was the coach. Was he the one that told you? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, he was one. He, he was a coach in the 042 and um, yeah, they called me in and said that I was playing. I think um, Minnie was having a, having a rest that weekend. Um, so, but to do that, mate, you know, with, with the caliber players you had around you, um, you know, it is something special and, and something that, that I don't take for granted. Maddie, do you get nervous before games, or were you nervous before this one? Yeah, I'll get, I'll, I do get nervous, mate, before games. But um, you know, you know, when you've done the the hard work before it all week and doing all the little stuff that you um, require in a game, I was catching high balls, doing the little stuff, and just just going over that again. And um, so, yeah, it's a bit like anything. Mate. You get nervous for everything I do, and um, but for that, putting that green girl jersey on, it's. A little bit more than uh, usual, but um, saying that you got the amount of players you got around you, yeah, uh, the the, the caliber plays makes your job a lot easier as well. It didn't matter if it was the Cowboys, the Maroons, or the Kangaroos. How important was keeping game day routine, including your warm up, exactly the same for you, or didn't it matter, mate? I was, I think I'm, yeah, I kept it the same. I'm very game day. <laughs> My ritual is pretty same. Wow, um, but, you know. Whatever jersey I put on, uh, I have to put my right shoe on before my left. Um, I'm the last person to walk out of the shed, last person to walk onto the field. Um, so all that stuff, you know, it doesn't matter what team I played for, I'll, I'll still do it today. What do you recall of the test match? The toilets before it. There were no toilets. There was just the, <laughs> <laughs> there was just a hole in the ground, the pole, and oh no. Um, so mate, I. I I left it and waited till after the game and <laughs> go back to the hotel. <laughs> oh, so, you had to avoid any tackles right in the guts, obviously. But yeah, that's that's a, that's there. That's yeah. So I didn't there. Yeah. Oh, mate, you could have well been the first Australian debutant in France to shit himself in the fifty-third minute. <laughs> Oh, that is a beauty. Matty Bowen, a test match on an outstanding resume. Thanks for dropping in and good luck with the Cowboys at Cowboy House. Thanks, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Here's a cracking yarn from Robbie Farrah. So I got picked for in City Origin, I think myself and Keith Galloway, a couple other Tigers players, um, playing City Origin. We're in Dubbo. John Cartwright was a coach that year and, and Gibbo missed out. Um, missed out on the initial side and then one of the front rows pulled out and then they he didn't even get called up. He, I think someone else got picked in front of him again. So on the Wednesday night, he's out on the piss with a few of the Tigers boys because um, they had the ball on the weekend. They're at Benji's house. So I'm in city camp. We're just about to go out for dinner. And um, he says, he calls me, he says, He's, he's already, as I said, he's, he's a few few drinks in, so yeah. he's, he's pretty cut. And um, he says, mate, put Cardi on the phone. 
I said, what for? He goes, mate, put Cardi on the phone. He goes, I want to know why he didn't pick me. I said, give up. I said, I'm not putting Cardi on the phone, mate. I said, piss off. Leave me alone. So I hang up on him. Sends me a text message. He goes, I'm about to send you a video. He goes, I want you to show it to Cardi. I was like, oh, here we go. What's what's this? So anyway, about 10 minutes later, this video comes through on my phone. We're sitting at the dinner, dinner table. Open it up and he's there, Starkers in Benji's kitchen. He's got Liam Fulton standing next to him. And he goes, he goes, Cardi, he goes, I want to know why I didn't get picked you know, for City Origin. He goes, not only am I tough on the field, I'm tough off it. So then gets picks up a hammer and then gets gets Liam Fulton. He goes, give me that nail over there. Liam Fulton picks up the nail. Well, right, gives it to Gibbo. Gibbo dead set. Gibbo gets his gets a nail, puts puts his uh, private parts up on a chopping board. Oh, no. In the kitchen and puts the nail, hammers the nail through his nutsack into into the chopping board. And he says, that's how tough I am, Cardi. He goes, that's why you should have picked me. Dead set. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Couldn't believe it. And he dead set, put the nail through his nutsack. Did you show Cardi? He was. No chance. I showed all I, we showed all the boys in camp. We had a laugh. We had a laugh, yeah. Hey legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. How would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want and when you want. Next week, we could be promoting you right here. Packages start from as little as a couple of hundred dollars. If you're interested in joining our team, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab. Go to andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. I reckon conservatively, I've probably been to 55, 60 state of origin matches. Every single game, I'd actually forfeit time at the bar beforehand because I'm a rugby league tragic. I'd go and watch the curtain raiser or the curtain raisers, the age games, to have a look at who's coming through the next generation. In 2014, our guest played for the New South Wales 18 side that beat Queensland 24-10. Paul Momorowski, what a stacked side this Blues side was, mate. Who stood out? Oh, I know. I've thought about this a few times, and that team was... It shouldn't have been allowed to put to get, be put together, I think. Yeah. Um, the amount of players that have come through it, and obviously you've got Latrell and Tommy Turbo doing their thing in New South Wales now, and like obviously those two stood out as well. They stood out through the season, in, through that SG ball season, and going into twenties and stuff. So yeah. those two, but it's hard to not look past them when they're doing doing the same thing in in the Origin level in the NRL. So um, yeah, have, those two were playing on the same edge. Like oh. God. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to come up against them. I'll run through the back line: Matt Dufty, yourself, Tommy Travojevic, Sione Matautia, Latrell Mitchell, and the halves: Jackson Hastings and Lockie Croker. Matty Dufty scored a double here. He was one of those kids I thought that had the ability early on 
to run into the hole and not run into the shoulder because a lot of big kids coming through the grades are happy with the contact, but Dufty figured out you run to the space. Yeah, he's got the speed for it. He, yeah. can, he can find that. So that little half gap that his speed just doesn't allow the defender to get there in time yeah. to make that contact. Um, he's figured out the way to use his body to the be- to best of his ability, and he's done that in the NRL too. Like, creates opportunities everywhere. Doesn't he, What Toddy Payton was the coach of the footy side. Good coach, good fella? Yeah, great fella, great coach. Um, I think those camps are a little bit different. Obviously, you don't get as much time to spend, but yeah. when you have the quality of players we had, you obviously, it's easier to sort of chuck us in a chuck a few players at us and this is how we want to play and we'll be able to adapt to it. So yep. um, I think that was, yeah, but it definitely was a good coach and we got the job done. We enjoyed ourselves at camp and like you said, when you look back at it, the quality of players that were there, yeah, it's pretty impressive. This is the part of the podcast where we've put you in charge. You're asking the questions. Our superstars are giving their answers. Look out. Let's start with the King, Wally Lewis. Neighbour of mine who goes by the name of Snoz O'Connor. He asks, why did you terrorise and torment me so much as a kid on the rugby union field in the late 70s? Uh, Look, we basically went out there and I think... For some of us, we were we were probably trying to prove how tough we were, mm. not how talented we were on the on the field. Um, he was something else, Snoz. Um, yeah. Boy, um, you know the opportunity to watch him in operation uh, as a as a young man. Um, I can uh, remember when I was asked in the years that followed, you know, if you were picking players to switch to uh, to league, who would they be? The Eller brothers went straight in and so did uh, Michael O'Connor. Yeah, okay. Um, he's a remarkable player, good bloke, great bloke, mm. um, and uh, and he was, uh, you know, thrilled to be able to uh, to be a dual representative. And up to the plate, the great Matty Geyer. Jay from Regentville asks, what was your best year and best form, Buffer? When was it? Uh Actually, it's funny, like NRL, but the thing that the year that changed my life would have been my uh, – I played in under 16, 17s. I wasn't – I played okay footy, didn't make yep. any Penrith teams. And then we go to under 19s in Penrith. We skip 18s and play C grade. And in my first year of that, so playing against the older boys as the under underage, I actually just – I got taller, I got more confident, I got faster. Yep. And um and things just clicked from that moment on, and um, wow. I got I got actually I, I was player of the season in the competition yep. that year, and that led into playing a bit of rep footy for Penrith, and then instead of going back to the local A grade, uh, I played. I'm sorry, instead of going back to the local C grade where I could have, where I just played the year before, yep. I went back and played A grade, and did all the right things. But then yeah, it was a bit of a tumultuous time around Penrith, and um yep. and I got resold in. I don't want to, you know, that that was twenty years ago. They probably did me a favour at the time. I was really bitter, yeah, really bitter, and um, and I because I I know it was unjustified. Yep. I know I shouldn't have, and it was, you know, if I was an eighteen year old kid who there was no politics in my life, and they brought yeah. politics into it, and it was stupid. But again, all you wanted to do was play for Penrith. All I want to do, mate, I sit up on that hill where I used to slide down on the cardboard when yeah. I, on the back of the hill when I used to watch my brother play, and like obviously he was my hero back then. You know, yeah. big unit running out, everyone people in the stands with his number on their back mm. 
And I never thought I would, to be fair, like, and this is as true as the day is long, I never thought I'd have an NRL career. And we can wow. get into that a little bit later, but I just like playing footy and I was never yeah. really – I was always one of the better ones in my team, but never the better in the area or, you know. You weren't the standout kid no. like a – a Brad Fittler or a, no, a Brasher, and or I wasn't big, yep. so it wasn't. And I, I in that year, I, I my feet come under me. I got a lot quicker, like, yep. but um, yeah. So that that was sort of taken from me, and I was like, I didn't feel like they'd taken my career away from me. They just mm. took away that opportunity to play for Penrith, which was even if it was twenty threes or or, mm. or reserve grade or anything like that. That that was what made me bitter, um, but. Like I said, I went over to Perth. I just had to get away and, and things fell into place. Super League started and so a lot of more people, a lot of more kids were getting a game and yep. and that fell into my lap a little bit at that time. So, But in all seriousness, I think uh, 1999 was my best year. And okay. it, uh, I started the year, which gave me a real huge amount of confidence because yep. I was always in first grade or in a team because I'd filled someone's spot or someone had got injured and yeah. you're always looking over your shoulder. But, um, yeah, Chris Anderson had given me the start and – Actually, I, I that year it's it's a, I didn't realise this till many many years later. I I started that year. I got married, and I ended in January. I ended the year, and I had my first child. They didn't tell me that. This next bit is what they told me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew that. I knew that bit. Um, I, I scored the first points and the last points of that season. I scored the try. Wow. Yeah, we played the first game of the season against Penrith. Yep. At Olympic Park, I scored in the corner, and I kicked the grand final goal. Oh, I didn't know that. Someone told me. I was like, yeah, that's pretty that's cool. cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Top Sports Same Game Multi gives you the most competitive multiple for every leg. And with hundreds of markets to choose from across sports and racing, you're sure to find a combination unlike any other. And they'll let you on for plenty. So if you want to get the top odds every time, download the app today and bet your way. Top that. Visit topsport.com.au. Top sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. And when you sign up, and if you're a legitimate rugby league fan or a sports fan and you're an unfiltered fan, you have got to sign up. These are my words, not theirs. When you do sign up, when you do sign up, you use the promo code UNFILTERED and they will treat you like kings. I tell you that every week. Um, joining us from Top Sport is the top dog, Tristan Merlihan. We are going to get on to our charity bet shortly. You and I, collectively and respectfully, we suck. We are going to keep going until we raise some money for charity. Uh, New South Wales, Queensland, there's injuries, there's COVID. Uh, there's been some significant market changes. What are we looking at as, we, uh, as we're about a week away from the decider, buddy? Yeah, there's been a little bit of change uh, in the uh, in the team lineups, but it hasn't affected the market just Ooh. yet. So we opened the market up after the teams were announced at the start of the week at two twenty five Queensland, one sixty five New South Wales, and we opened it at two and a half. Despite uh, there being a few little changes today, it's still sitting there at that same price. So it's been brilliant. Like there's been so many differing opinions. The Queenslanders think they're great value at home. The New South Wales are trying to say that Queensland's great value at home, but I know in, in, in the back of their mind, they're thinking they're the better side. So there's been a lot of money both ways. And um, we've got over 300 markets on this match. So if you're a punter and you want to have a bet on the origin, you, you just dig through the list. There's player performance, there's try scorers, there's individual try scorers, there's 320 markets, our same game multi-option as well, which is the most popular in origin. It is so 
in my opinion, better than what, what else is out there in the marketplace. So one little tip, what I'd tell you, um, anyone listening at home, if you want to have a same-game multi on the Origin, jump on there, put our options in, put wherever you're currently betting at now and just bet, bet wherever you're getting the best price. And I'm pretty confident you'll be uh, you'll be using that unfiltered code on Top Sport. Mate, and that is exactly what you pride yourself on. That's exactly what I have found. Um, we spoke last week about future markets and projecting towards, you know, I guess finals time of year and how Penrith um, was, was dominating the markets at the moment. Are we seeing much action in and around who makes the top eight and who doesn't make the top eight? Because as we spoke about that Dragons-Raiders game that was so controversial, so close – Huge bearing on top eight, potentially. Huge, huge bearing on top eight. And, yeah, this is the time, as we touched on last week, has got so many implications. Now, I'm going to give uh, the, the punters – we actually – we got it wrong last week where I was uh, quite bullish on the Raiders and I suggested if you wanted to back the yeah. Raiders, you should have a little little tickle at them to make the top eight. Unfortunately, they just lost that game where the, the reasoning was valid, but uh, obviously losing that was instrumental. But yep. one thing I've had a look at, and I'm, I've got to be careful when I get in my car and go home because there's a lot of Brisbane fans up here, but I've got a little question mark over the amount of injuries the Broncos yeah. have got. And they're obviously sitting in the top eight nicely at the moment, and they probably should still remain there. But the Dragons been back from $2.16 to two oh eight in their game on the weekend. Ooh. The Broncos, you can get around about 6 or $7 at some places for them to miss the eight. Um, so that means that the market, they're $1.20 to make it, and they're, they're four points clear. But Payne Haas might be out for a little while. Yep. They've got a tricky run home, and they've got a lot of those, um, you know, the, the, the backup players that now have picked up an injury. So I just worry with the tightness of the comp down there between 6th to 10th, if they drop a few games and... Touch wood, add nothing, Adam Sadam Reynolds. But mm. I just feel at five or six or seven dollars, there's a little bit of value in case they drop a couple of games. And this game's a, a crucial one on Sunday between the Bronx and the Dragons. I think uh, much like the Premiership on a, on a on a different level, it's going to come down to injuries, survival of the fittest. As fatigue sets in with these players, as we've seen historically over the last couple of years. A lot of them finish their season early over the next four or five weeks with injury. Last man standing. Now, our charity bet. Um, if you're not familiar with it, Top Sport, uh, topsport.com.au, or download their app, has given us $100 a week charity bet. We are trying to raise some much-needed funds to put smiles on faces for the Ricky Stewart Foundation. Boss, here is what I'm thinking this week. After the Storm's performance last week, which was atrocious, I, it has been all about defence for Craig Bellamy at training. So I'm thinking Storm, Sharks, Unders in total points. And I'm also thinking and optimistic those mighty eels at the line, which at the moment is 11 and a half to take care of the Tigers. So... Uh, a two-leg multi from my maths was $3.61. So can we lock that in? We can lock that in. I really like that bet as well because, as you say, not only would Craig Bellamy be working on the, the tackling and the defence, I think with Nico Hines obviously oh, yeah. out of the shark side, a lot of that uh, tacking uh, weapon for the Sharks is gone. And then, yeah, the Eels we wanting to bounce back. Seems like a couple of little issues there in Tigerland as well. So minus 11 and a half. We've got the double there at $3.61, and hopefully we can get, uh, get get a bit of money into the kitty. That is it. If you haven't yet, unfiltered fans, uh, check out their website, topsport.com.au. Even better, download the app. And as Tristan said earlier, um, 
It's it's pretty simple. His advice and and him and his family have been in the game for years. If you love your same game multis, do the maths wherever you're currently betting, then compare it on their site. And they are very confident they will have the best price for you. Don't forget to use the promo code UNFILTERED. And the tagline is, is fact, they will treat you like kings. Another second-generation footballer running around and doing his thing, and he's also playing for those mighty bloody Parramatta Eels. Our guest on the podcast, Bailey Simonson. Mate, you'd be too young to remember Dad's career. Um, what have you been told? What have you seen on TV? Yeah, I've um, obviously didn't get to watch him play live in the flesh, but I've uh, been told a few different things. I guess he asked Dad, he'd probably tell you he's the best player going around, but um, <laughs> no, nah, he's... Um, I've seen some old footage of him and, um, you know, he's a very fast player and quite good on his feet. He's obviously an outside back uh, like myself. Um, yeah, he had some great achievements. You know, he mm. played a few games for the All Blacks and um, obviously to be able to do that, you've got to be a pretty decent player. So, um, yeah, he then ventured over to league with um, Daryl Halligan. He went on to do some pretty good things and yeah. both of them coming over from Waikato together. Um Made the transition and unfortunately um, had a few few knee injuries, which probably um, poor time on his career a bit earlier than he would have liked. But um, yeah, very proud to be his son and and seeing what he's achieved. As you should be, mate. That's it's an enormous resume. He played two games on that '87 tour of Japan with the mighty All Blacks. Um, Dad's been equally as impressive and equally as busy in retirement. Policeman, detective, investigator for the ATO. He worked within climate change. Um, he worked within the anti-doping authority. Serious stuff, mate. Yeah, yeah. He's um, obviously done very well for himself off the field. Uh, something he's always driven in us kids too is to, you know, get an education and make sure you've got a bit of a uh, backup plan because, I guess he probably experienced firsthand um, how quickly your sporting career can end and, and all of a sudden you're out in the workforce and um, if you don't have something to sort of keep you afloat, you, you're going to struggle. So he's he's done very well. He's, he's got obviously a policing background. He um, he started in the police um, over in New Zealand and in Wellington when he was a younger younger footy player. Um, obviously back in their days, they you know they were working and then, mm. and then training on the side. It was not, luck, not as lucky as we are today to be uh, sort of full-time. So... He started off as a policeman, um, moved into sort of more investor, investor, investor to give roles, and mm. um, so at the moment he's sort of working in um, teaching and and teaching those sort of law enforcement areas um, in small uh, communities. He does a lot of work up with Aboriginal and Torres Strait communities and, and teaching their rangers and uh, police. So. Yeah, he's doing well for himself and still keeping busy, the old fella. Yeah, he certainly is really cool inside. Appreciate it, mate. Chat again soon. Adam Dewey from the West Tigers is dropping on in. Mate, run us through your junior rep sides. Who did you play for? And importantly, what position did you play? Yes, I came through the Bowman Tigers um, junior system and uh, played in their Harold Matthews and, and SG Ball teams. Um, I guess didn't didn't really didn't make any of the New South Wales pathways or okay. any of the Aussie schoolboys uh, for league coming through. And um, I guess in my rugby union background, as, as I played for them uh, through school, I, I made their um, Australian schoolboys um, team in year twelve. And 
um, toured New Zealand and Samoa, which was you know an amazing thing for me and um, was, was pretty surreal. And um, but in terms of league, yeah, played Harrowmatt and Astrid Ball, and then yeah, just under twenties and New South Cup. To be honest, didn't make any um, New South Wales or Australian um, rep sides at a young age, and um, and yeah, that, that, that's about it. How close were you to choosing rugby union as a career path? Yeah, it was close. Um, the school I went to were actually forced to, to play winter sport and it was either soccer or, or rugby union. So I just, you know, was playing rugby union just to tick a box, to be honest. And it wasn't wow. until sort of year 12 where I started to get picked in these rep teams and I was thinking, like, is this like is this actually a chance? And I guess once I did get picked for the Australian team, it was um, you know, pretty crazy. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, after school, met, met with the Waratahs and toured their facilities and stuff. And, yeah, so it was, it was a genuine chance, but um, luckily enough, fell the way of league. Any of the guys that you toured New Zealand with now have gone on and, and yeah, played? Yeah, there's two, there's two of them that have that have um, debuted in the Wallabies actually over over the past few weeks and um, Hunter Paisami and um, Harry Wilson. They're two, two young, wow. young players who are you know, you, you know, obviously going good. And, yeah, players like Isaac Lucas, who is the number 10 at the Queensland Reds now and stuff, have come through with me. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Very cool. Were there any other NRL first graders coming out of those Tigers, mats, and ball sides. Yeah, so in in our um, in my Balmain Tigers junior system, I played all my juniors with uh, Ryan Pappenhausen as my fullback. So had a handy fullback there, and um, as we went into SG Ball, I had Moses Moses Sully as my as my centre. So oh wow, that, yeah, yeah, that, that were the two standouts, um, I guess, coming through in, in our um, league. And um, I played New South Wales CIS um, at the schoolboys tournament year twelve, and, and played with Cam Murray as well. And Paps was in that team as well with us. So. Um, yeah, they're the three main ones that were coming through. Ryan, people say he's small now. I've actually known him since his kindergarten days, and he was yeah. absolutely tiny. Like he's a yeah. monster now <laughs> compared to what he was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He wasn't the he wasn't the biggest kid. I was I was with him. I was not the biggest kid coming through, and he was even smaller than me. So it was just this little thing, quick thing that could just you know run for days and. Yeah run past and catch anyone and run through anyone. So it um, shows why he's being so dominant. He is um, now at the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, little whippet he was even from uh, a very wee age. And he was one of those guys, I guess, we all knew at some stage, whatever career path he took athletically, he was going to succeed. Yeah, correct. Um, I, I versed him as well through through school. We went to similar schools and versed each other in, in union and stuff and um, yeah, he was a naturally talented kid. You can you can see that in the way he plays. He's just, I guess, off the cuff and uses yep. his pace and ball skills. And um, I played with him in touch footy as well. So um, we've we formed a, a close connection over, over our time. And um, yeah, he's always been in every sport we've played together. He's always been that standout kid and, and the one that I guess everyone sort of looks up to. He's mad at touch, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a touch. Touches his sport. He's a freak yeah. at touch. Just blitzes the fence and um, he's too quick for everyone. <laughs> If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, give us some love. Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then whack in a five-star rating and a review. As random and weird-ass as you like, funniest weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yeah, bribery. Get to it, legends. And what a beauty we have this week. Best Review Weekly wins a prize. This dude, well, he may well win the annual prize. Best ever. This review from RKI081175, they wrote, on Apple Podcasts, they wrote, 
I'm a podcast addict, and this one is my fix, delivered by Andy with a voice that'd give a jellyfish a horn. Keep them coming, big nuts. A fucking beauty, you legend. Get in touch. We're sending a trucker's cap your way immediately. Want a cap too? Write a review. Make it stand out like this legend did. Next week, it may be you. This has been the most immature podcast I've done yet. Yes, I love it. I hope you have too. Ah, take a breath and enjoy it. The footy is on and your weekend is sorted. Enjoy the game, order a pizza, grab a coldie, go hard on a five-leg multi, and don't forget, as always, back pikey in the last. Mm-hmm.